Hello everyone and welcome to Unbossed. We are so glad you are here. And here to help me co-pilot this thing is none other than Big Waz. Waz is a Rebel 8Q contributor. Waz, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. I, I never thought I'd see the day when Nina Turner called me Big Waz, but, but here we are. <laughs> that was here incredible. We are. <laughs> Big Waz is in the house, baby. And we are going to be talking about how the house avoided a government shutdown. But they do this every single time. You're gonna hear me sigh quite a bit when we talk about this story because there is no other profession where people will be able to get away with just barely making it through the way Congress does time and time again when it comes to avoiding a shutdown. And later we will crown a neoliberal, probably guess who that person or persons will be today because we've been pretty consistent about putting that crown on some folks. And stick around to the end of the show because one former president has shared his latest scheme and it is a scheme. So the education crisis among adults, a lot of times we talk about education and we talk about it through the lens of K through 12 or pre-K through college. Oftentimes though, we forget about adults, those grown, grown folks who are out there navigating the world and what kind of education they need. And this is not distinctly about higher education, it is just about being a functioning adult in the world. So our education system has been dealt numerous blows over the course of time. And we're seeing that certainly unfortunately continue today. And it's not just affecting younger people, it is affecting what I call those grown grown folks. Let's check out this headline, a fifth of American adults struggle to read. Why are we falling or failing to teach them? The nation's approach to adult education has so far neglected to connect the millions of people struggling to read with the programs set up to help them. So it doesn't matter necessarily if those programs exist if people can't get to those programs. So we need to get to the heart of why that is happening. And yeah, this is right. You read that right, you heard that right. We have a fifth of American adults who struggle in that way. And so here's uh, here's one's here, one's destiny is uniquely entrenched through nationwide graduate, though nationwide graduation rates have risen in recent decades, the number of adults who struggle to read remains stubbornly high, 48 million or 23%. And this this data is coming from ProPublica. And how and why is this happening? Let's take a little deeper dive. Nearly 60 years ago, the federal government established funding to provide free education for adults who could not read to help them improve their literacy and obtain employment. Presidents John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Baines Johnson recognized how low literacy intertwined with poverty and all the ills that came with it. ProPublica found access to this instruction is limited, increasingly inefficient, and much like the nation's school systems, highly dependent on geography and the political will of elected officials. And you know when we got to deal with just purely political will, we are in trouble right there. Now, this is a good point in this segment to remind you that Congress just passed a record-breaking $858 billion that is billion dollars would it be underline and underscore exclamation point message in a bottle $858 billion defense budget without a problem. 
giving the President of the United States about $45 billion more than what was asked for. But additional funding for education, that's unrealistic. Was man, it's it's this is really heartbreaking stuff, um, to be honest, because it's 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 a bit of a double failure. Obviously, these adults fell through the cracks when they were children, where we failed them. And then, you know, they get to adulthood and we don't provide them with the resources to help themselves. And and I don't think a lot of people understand what it feels like to feel helpless and, and hopeless in a situation, uh, especially when it comes to something like education. A lot of times people feel like it's over um, and, and there's no way to recover from this. And especially when you know society is just beating them up, generally speaking. And then, you know, on the other on the other side of this, Nina, as you well know, uh, we talk about issues of homeless and crime and 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 those type of things. Where do people think these things stem from? We let these folks fall through the cracks at every single turn, and then they turn to these alternate lifestyles, whether it be homelessness, whether it be you know um, committing chronic crimes. Like this, this is where this stuff starts. And so this is the most heartbreaking part, where you know the richest country ever known to man, uh, we can't put in some systems that help people learn how to read. Like it feels like the most fundamental thing that we should be doing as a quote unquote advanced society. Um, and yet we're failing so many people. Yeah, it's basic. I mean, this is not even getting to, we're not even talking about even a two year college degree or four year degree and less known advanced degrees. We're just talking about the basic reading levels to be able to thrive in society and we are failing. And let's continue on, the adult education system began to morph into what is now effectively a credentialing program largely aimed at pumping out students with high school equivalency or workforce certificates. As federal funding stagnated, states were called on to put up more money or risk atrophying their programs. National enrollment has careened down to only 700,000 students last year, despite the country's immense need. Less than 3% of eligible adults receive services. So thank ProPublica for their research. It just further lets us know that adults in this society are suffering when it comes to literacy. The programs that are available are not penetrating enough. And in some cases, some adults could be very embarrassed that even at that particular stage in their lives that they are enduring this. And Waz, you made a very good point about somehow they were failed along the way even as children. And that is something that as a society, and because you have two presidents, both President Kennedy and President Johnson, who saw this even in the 60s. And here we are with more information, more access to that information. The World Wide Web did not exist you know, in the 60s. We have more access to information than any other time in human history, yet we are failing each other on that point. But there is a sliver of hope, and that is in the city of Detroit. Mayor Mike Duggan of Detroit was watching this pattern play out at scale when he was elected in 2013. The city was bankrupt and nearly one in five adults were unemployed. Adults struggled to read, so many of them generation after generation that the city had grown to epitomize the nation's literacy crisis. Duggan and other city officials 
came up with an unprecedented plan, one that accounted for the city's responsibility in creating the crisis. They launched Skills for Life last year. Unlike most municipal job programs, it pays participants to go to school. So Waz, how creative is that? And also for the mayor to look at this situation, not as a failing of the individual, but a failing of society. And that collectively society must try to ameliorate this problem. Very good on his part. Yeah, it just feels like one of those things that you gotta care about. There's certain things that you know in our society can feel like really hard and complicated to to work out. Take like you know how we manage our energy, for instance. Like that seems like oh, there's all these interests, there's all this other stuff in the way. It's gonna be hard to get our energy situation um, in a pattern that is sustainable for the future. Literacy is just guys gotta care, and you know I know we gotta move on, but I just want to leave people with one you know sort of thought. Is it's like my parents are from Haiti, I've been to Haiti, and they're not from the city, they're from the countryside, and in the Haitian countryside, in the mountains, which is a Essentially, the mount, the countryside of the countryside, you will find people who can read and do basic um, arithmetic, right? And that's in one of the poorest countries on our side of the globe. So if like they could do that in the damn countryside of Haiti, we can figure out how to get people to read in Detroit. I think. True that in Detroit and all over the country. So this is a communal problem, and it deserves a communal fix. We'll keep watching out for this. Congress shut down. Congress has a few important jobs. One is to ensure that the government does not shut down. For some reason, they can't seem to do that. Watch this. Lawmakers are scrambling to fund the government to avoid a shutdown. That's become an annual tradition here in Washington, D.C., much like decorating the White House Christmas tree. Congressional negotiators have just five days to reach a deal or to extend the deadline, all of which is further complicated by the looming Republican takeover of the House of Representatives in January. Yeah, Jake Tapper got that right. This has become a tradition. We've become accustomed to Congress always being in constant, let's avert a shutdown mode. It's dysfunctional as hell. So the crisis has been averted somewhat. Let's take a look at this headline. House passes stopgap deal to avert shutdown at end of the week. Not a whole lot of time. There's one continuing resolution after another, and we constantly are left on the edge of our seats wondering how or how, yes, or when or when will Congress get its act together when it comes to making sure that we are not always facing a shutdown. And how many other professions would be allowed to do this? Not many, not any that I know of. People would be fired on the spot. But yet these folks that we elect to office to do several jobs, but I just wanna say they had one job. So I wanna say in this particular moment, although Congress has several jobs and several responsibilities, in terms of the budget and averting a shutdown, they just got one job. And Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they can barely even do that. So none that I, I don't know of any profession that would allow this, do you? I know we're gonna have viewers weigh in wise in a little bit. And I would just want of any of them not. to share with us that if they know of any other profession where folks can just get an F over and over again, fail to meet expectations over and over again, lie to the people over and over again and get to keep their damn job. Man, it's it's quite 
impressive, honestly, how enduring this stupid tradition has been. Because as most of our viewers know, they didn't start pulling this kind of stuff until the Obama administration. And it's one of the sort of relics or remnants of Obama's time in office in that Republican cynicism just kind of knew no bounds, right? It's this idea that they understand that a low information voter, normal people who aren't political nerds or dorks about this stuff, like say me and Nina are, who are paying attention every single day, they hear government shutdown and they think, great. I hate the government, shut this thing down. These people are screwing up. Yeah, maybe we do need a shutdown so that we can get this cleaned up, they don't understand what the actual mechanisms of a shutdown would actually mean, right? The type of goods and services that everybody, red or blue Americans depend on would start to be withheld after a while. Like that, that stuff doesn't get explained by people like Ted Cruz, right? And so, you know, this the cynicism you would have thought after, you know, they got to do this against the first black president, they'd have moved the Onto a new hobby horse, but that they're still doing this is quite ridiculous, honestly, Nina. Yeah, very dysfunctional. I mean, this Congress, the Congress operates in dysfunction over and over again, so much so that we become accustomed to the dysfunction and don't make better demands. So the House did vote on Wednesday evening to pass a stopgap bill, and that stopgap, that's your key. Bill to avert a government shutdown at the end of this week with funding currently set to expire on Friday at midnight. The vote was 224 to 201 with nine Republicans joining with Democrats to vote in favor. The stopgap measure will extend funding for another week until Friday, December 23rd. So here we are just one week, that's not a lot. To give congressional negotiators time to finalize a broader full year government funding deal with new top line spending levels. And it wasn't like they didn't know that this was coming. They do this year after year around about this time, as we say, about this time. So this is not new. This is a duty. This is a job. This is an assignment that they are fully aware of. But you know why? They just don't care. So they keep us teetering on the edge. In a sign of progress, however, top negotiators announced Tuesday evening that an agreement had been reached for a framework that puts lawmakers on track to complete a sweeping full year, just one year, government funding package. However, negotiators have not provided many specifics on that agreement. Guess what, sisters and brothers and family and friends, the details, the details, the details, and I say one more time, the details. So except that the top line is $1.7 trillion. There has been a partisan dispute though, surprise, surprise. A bipartisan agreement for a full year government funding deal has proven challenging to secure amid disagreement between the two parties over how much money should be spent on non-defense domestic policies. Please keep that up team, Waz. Now we're gonna stop right here because we need to bold it, we need to underline it, we need to underscore it, exclamation point, and put a damn message in a bottle on a train. Let me read this just one more good time. Can we just do this one more again? A bipartisan agreement for a 
full year government funding deal has proven challenging to secure amid disagreement between the two parties over how much money should be spent on non-defense domestic priorities. On non-defense domestic priorities, on non-defense domestic priorities. But just, just, just around the corner, Right, they just passed in a very bipartisan way over an $800 billion defense budget, giving the president $45 billion more than what was asked for. And this has happened under, under most presidents in recent <laughs> history, whether they be Republican or Democrat. Same thing happened under President Obama. Same thing happened under President Trump. Same thing. So, why is what what boggles my mind, what, what confuses me, riddle me this. Why is it that they can always muster the courage and the intestinal fortitude to pass a military budget to make war? I hear the urban poet in my ear right now, Tupac, who said they always got money for war, but they can't feed the poor. Why can't they come up with a domestic bipartisan way to take care of the people right here, right now? I don't understand it. And my hair is on fire. And yes, I need I need my fire extinguisher right now, Waz. I do. And listen, uh, you you you're sanctifying my soul right now. I'm not gonna lie, cause this is it. This is the um this is the ball game, ladies and gentlemen. When it comes to spending on defense, these things sail through Congress. <laughs> the president whoosh, signs it right on through, and. A couple of things. Um, you guys remember stuff like the COVID relief bill, the the infrastructure bill, all of this. You guys remember cost um, saving measures, means testing. Remember the the COVID bill was like, well, no, we can't get to people who are making this much and blah blah blah. The penny pinching, the the penny pinching that took place when it came to the goods and services that would be rendered to everyday normal American citizens. It's like everybody's their best accountant in Congress when that happens. With the military, you know what this reminded me of, Nina? It's a, I can remember my, my niece when she was young asking me for $5. And I said, you know what, here's 10. You know, I just gave her 10. I just wanted her to feel so good. I wanted her to love me. So I just gave her 10. This, this is what Congress giving Joe Biden even more than he asked for, for his military spending reminds me of. They just love the defense spending so much. They just want everybody in the defense industry to know Congress got your back. Congress loves you, Raytheon. Yeah, you got that right. But your niece, you know, giving her extra is a lot different than these fools. Given the military <laughs> industrial complex, and you giving that that baby gonna edify the world. You know <laughs> these people that want to make war. I mean, just think about that. Can we just yeah. wrap our minds around the concept that we are living in a country and in a world where the zeitgeist of the moment is about war making? Where at this particular critical time in human history, we can never afford a WW3 because that means that we all out of here. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. So why on God's green earth would these folks put so much intention on giving money to the military industrial complex? I mean, big wise, they not putting their intention on 
on on curbing homelessness among veterans. They're not putting their time and attention on the elected, the on the enlisted men and women and family and friends. Most of that money is going to Raytheon, as you just named, and other war making type corporations. It is insanity. And so these fools, and that's what they are, they got to negotiate on the domestic side, but they skip, skipping a loop. They they hopping and skipping and jumping and dancing to give money to the military industrial complex. I don't get it. But you know what my maternal grandmother would say about this time? She would say they got more nerves than a brass A monkey. That's what mm. she say. Fill it in. Y'all know what the rest that says. Let's put this up real quick. Republicans are critical of recent domestic spending. Of course they are, because that's what Republicans do. They're critical of recent domestic spending by Democrats and argue that measures Democrats have passed while they have been in control of both chambers of Congress, like a $1.9 trillion pandemic relief bill was, and I was just talking about, and a sweeping healthcare and climate bill are wasteful and will worsen inflation. So let me get this straight. Let me dress this up. But Lee, put it back up. This is what these fools are saying. That investing in the American people by way of dealing with a, a pandemic that was 100 years in the May, had had one in 100 years, a worldwide global pandemic that was spending too much money to make sure that people have health care, which they barely doing that. I don't even know why that's up there, but that's 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 too much. And a climate bill is 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 wasteful. Republican voters, get your people. You see how they feel about you? They don't give a damn about you. Get your, get your folks. And Democrats use that money for climate relief, health care, really, and climate. I'm done. You know what? America, at a certain point, we are complicit in our own demise. Now, you got to get these fools. The Republicans are out of control. And you heard that in their own words that the Democrats have waste money. I mean, at least getting shots in arms and dealing with the pandemic was something that should have been done. They did it. Fairly well. I mean, there's some other things they could have done, but to have Republicans just basically say, "Hey, y'all, hey, if you live, you live. If you don't, you don't." We shouldn't have put no no money into that effort. These fools are crazy. Uh, I'm going to get my fire extinguisher. We'll be back after this. Welcome back, my favorite part of the show. Let's see what the viewers have to say. On TYT members, Tall Glass. Hey, Tall Glass. I'm guessing. Quote, domestic priorities, end quote, means corporate tax cuts. You got that right, tall glass, because it's never promoting the general welfare of we the people, which they are obligated to do. But you're absolutely right, tall glass. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. And on Twitch, moving, Nina is like 10,000 sons of purify to purify our souls. Thank you, moving. I appreciate that. 10,000 sons. Oh, I received that baby. Yes, I do. And HOV, it seems all Congress can agree on is being war hawks. So very true. At least that's what they're showing us. Actions definitely speak louder than words. So you are correct. And on YouTube Super Chat, Donald, keep preaching it, Nina. I don't know what to say except elected politicians who are for education. And Michelle, as LeVar Burton said, Reading is fundamental. <laughs> Amen to that, Michelle. You're taking us way back. Yes, LeVar Burton did say that. Thank you all so much for your comments. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for your support. We would not be able to do what we do, boo, without each and every one of you. So we thank you so much on Unbossed and the entire TYT 
family. We appreciate you. Joe Biden truly has me saying WTF EOLU. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. <laughs> Lord, I chuckle at that. Why is that your first time seeing that bumper? Yes, that was that's my first time hearing the. Obviously, I remember at the time of the campaign when that video leaked. Um, that was hilarious. But that is being reminded of of Joe Biden um explaining blackness to people is is <laughs> that's a joke. yeah. Imagine that. No, he said that as you probably recall in an interview with Charlemagne the God. It was just mm, absolutely yes, yes, I yes. Mean, Really, I I I lost it. I mean, I really did. I, I just like, yeah, WTF neoliberal. So that's perfect. So here we are. The shadow president is back. You know who that is? That is Joe Manchin. He could potentially be getting his way yet again. Why? Because the real president, Joe Biden, is throwing his support behind old Manchin's dirty energy tricks. And I just don't know why. I swear I believe that Manchin got a file on all these people. Check out this headline, Biden endorses Manchin's proposal to overhaul energy permitting process. This is coming from CBS News. And that's right, Joe Biden supports Manchin's proposal to overhaul the federal permit process for energy projects. So again, this is not Republicans. This is the Democrats who are in full control in this particular moment. So don't even try. We blame the Republicans. We're gonna put the blame where the blame belongs. And today we are talking about the neoliberals, or at least in this segment we are. And let me remind you, Senator Joe Manchin was hesitant to back Mr. Biden's climate, healthcare, and tax bill, known as the Inflation Reduction Act earlier this year, but did so in exchange for a pledge from Senate leaders that they would hold a vote on his energy permitting overhaul. Really? Senator Joe Manchin, yeah, really, this is him. And Joe Biden couldn't be more proud of Manchin stating, this is what the president stated. Earlier this year, the Congress passed the Inflation Reduction Act to help bring down everyday costs, including costs for energy. Already we are seeing inflation come down, and that is a step in the right direction. But the work is far from done. I support Senator Manchin's permitting reform proposal as a way to cut Americans' energy bills, promote US energy security, and boost our ability to get energy projects built and connected to the grid, end quote. That's coming from the president, but that is not quite right. Let me go back just one more. The Senate is set to vote on the National Defense Authorization Act, the annual military bill before leaving for the Christmas holiday. Manchin's proposal includes speeding up environmental reviews. And why would we do that? We need to take our time with that kind of stuff. It's only Mother Earth. And approving a natural gas pipeline in his home state of West Virginia, among other provisions. Absolutely, this is all this man call, uh, cares about. Though it remains unclear whether Manchin's proposal will garner the 60 votes necessary. We will see what happens. Six Democratic senators, including Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, wrote to Schumer and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi last week to express their opposition to including Manchin's measure, which has drawn opposition from several environmental groups. Why? I mean, this just seems crystal 
clear to me what the Senate should do. They should vote that down. But the fact that you have the President of the United States pushing for this and pushing for a man that allegedly stood in the way of his agenda for you know for a couple of years now, it has me saying, hmm, I often say that Manchin was actually executing the will of this president. You know, it's funny. I think Joe Manchin is doing, he's being an effective politician. Um, it's effective for causes and interests that you and I are not quite aligned with, but he's playing politics quite well, honestly, to watch him do it. If we're if we're being for real, like the question for me is, does anybody else in the Democratic Party know how to do this? Like, is anybody else getting concessions for the people or the interests in their home state? Like, it feels like Manchin is the only one who's realized this. Like, Cinema, when she's playing her little quote unquote hardballs, it's just for really rich donors and just like, oh, these little things that, like, Joe Manchin's like, no, I wanna get a, a pipeline approved in my home state behind this. That's that's one thing that 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 absolutely catches my eye. And I think what folks need to understand when you know they try to leverage these high gas costs against us and how much we hate them and say this energy bill is getting rid of red tape, right? And there are times where red tape is unproductive. I think about you know here in California where these NIMBYs get to get in the way of just building buildings in their neighborhood that would house people and people of different type of income levels that they would get to live in certain places and they get to gum up the work with red tape and we don't like that. And you know, something should probably be done to fix that. Environmental protections that like this is not something we should be standing in the way of, to be honest. Because the only point of this is not to bring down energy costs, so that these corporations can cut costs, um, cut corners, they can do this thing faster, sloppier, um, in service of what? Of their bottom line. That's all this is about. It's not about bringing down our energy bills. It's about these corporations not having to deal with the costs associated with doing the job well, safely, um, and in a manner where the environment is protected. Oh yeah, it's about good old fashioned dollar and cents. Backs, yep. And you know what? Joe Manchin is not quite sure whether or not he wants to remain a Democrat. Now, I question whether he was one or not, but maybe he is because he is very much aligned with the corporate. Nina, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when, when Bernie, remember he was a pariah. He was such a bad guy. He wasn't a Democrat. He that was remember that was like a big deal. Bernie, oh, he's he's independent. He's blah blah blah. He's not damn, he's not for the team. And then Manchin could just stab these guys in the yeah. back at every single turn, and it's just great. Yeah, Manchin gets to do. Whatever he wants to do, but yes, I was on that campaign both times with Senator Bernie Sanders, and absolutely, he's not a real Democrat, is what them fools would say. <laughs> so if he wasn't a real Democrat, what about Manchin? So Manchin is unsure. So let's listen to what Senator Manchin had to say. My door on anything. <laughs> I've been in this too long. You don't close your door. The bottom line is, but does that mean you're going to do something? No, there's no certainty. But the bottom line is, is you just do what you think is best for your people that you represent and also the country. You do what you think is best for your people and the country. That is laughable that that came out of the mouth of Senator Joe Manchin because what would be best for the people is for him to not have stood in the way of expanding the child tax credit. What would be best for the people is for him not to push this dirty 
energy scheme that he has cooking up, that would be best for the people. But no, Senator Joe Manchin is only doing what is best for him and his owner donors, make no mistake about it. And he's been toying with whether or not he is a Democrat for a while. This is not the first time. And they just throw themselves at this man's feet. He has stood in the way allegedly. And the reason why I say allegedly is because he gets courted like no other senator in the United States Senate right now, invited to the White House, swooned. You know, I mean, really, the man has got to have a file on these folks. Like J. Edgar Hoover kept a file on folks and he checked them whenever they got out of line even though he was by far an abusive, he abused his power as the director of the FBI in ways that are criminal. Yeah, he did that. And especially against African American people during the civil rights movement. Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover did that. They need to take his name off that building. But he was able to control politicians because he knew all of their dirty little secrets and he got his way. And so it's just making me ask the question whether or not Senator Joe Manchin has a file on these fools, which allows him to continue to get in to get his way, even if it means standing in the way of progress that would help the people who have the greatest needs in this country. And then he got the pure unadulterated gall to tell this reporter that he's not sure and he's gonna do what, what is right on behalf of the of his state and this country. I doubt it. Now this sounds a lot like the recent announcement that came from Senator Cinema, because they like to play games. Let's put up this headline. In the Senate shakeup, Cinema changes her party affiliation to independent. Democrats say not much will change on the hill, but the switch cast a long shadow on 2024. Now I read what Senator Sinema had to say, and what she said made a whole lot of sense. The only thing is that she doesn't have the integrity to stand behind on words, because she is not independent. She is controlled by similar owner donors as Senator Joe Mansion. We ain't gonna be fooled, y'all. We will not be fooled by the man and the woman behind the curtain. They're not serious at all about taking care of the least of these, our sisters and brothers and family and friends in this country. They only care about the almighty dollar that lines their pockets. Yes, bribery is legal in the United States of America. They stand up for industries that seek to destroy the people of this nation. They don't want regulations. How is it that this man gets to push a bill that has very few regulations, even to the point that they want to thwart local government's ability to regulate? That's what we got here. Is he a Democrat or not? Hell, who knows? Inquire my, well, we know he hasn't been comporting himself as at least a Democrat that really cares about the people. But in another way, maybe he is one. He is. He's the corporate kind. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the show. Second half of reading viewer comments. TYT members, Bill Dragon. Nina, please only use the fire extinguisher if you're going to save that nice hairdo. Don't cool off, just keep firing the truth. You know what, Bill Dragon, I'm, I'm sending you love, baby. All right, on that. And on Twitch, Mind Grifter, at this rate, this WTF neoliberal should be WTF Joe Biden. 
Oh my Griffin, you so right, because that is really what this is turning into. And on YouTube super chat, Trump losers says, send mansion packing. Amen to that. If I was president, I would have been gassed up the jet on that fool, but that's just me. That's just me. Well, here we go with some other fool. Uh, <laughs> Leonard Leo, Supreme Court bankroll. And if you haven't heard this name before, Leonard Leo, you're not alone. Watch this. Leonard Leo, he's possibly the most powerful person in America who almost no one knows about. If I were to draw a Venn diagram of who's the most powerful person with the least name recognition, the person in the middle of those circles is Leonard Leo. Now, maybe you've heard of him. He is the longtime vice president of the conservative legal organization, the Federalist Society, whose mission he once described as creating a kind of conservative pipeline to take over the courts. Leo has referred to himself as a, quote, leader of the conservative legal movement, and he is not wrong. He's played a key role in putting all six of the current conservative justices on the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas, John Roberts, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. That invisible hand that Chris Hayes was talking about, that's it, because he said the man who is the most powerful and of a, of a person whose name that we don't know or very few people know. Hit the nail on the head with that. And just how has Leo managed to have such sway over the Supreme Court? Dark money is the answer. In this headline, Bernard Leo's latest Supreme Court play, the conservative activist Dark Money Network is bankrolling groups Pressing the high court to gut election affirmative action and discrimination laws. Just, you know, people using their power and their influence for to do horrible things. This is what this man is doing. Leo and his associates are spending millions of dollars to influence some of the Supreme Court's most consequential recent cases. Newly released tax documents obtained by ProPublica and the Lever Show. The money flowed through mostly so-called dark money groups, which don't have to disclose their donors. They are required to reveal the recipients of their spending in their annual tax returns, which are released to the public. But often those are also dark money groups or other entities that have minimal disclosure rules. Next, as ProPublica and The Lever detailed in August, Leo was gifted a $1.6 billion Underline exclamation point, put it in bold, fortune last year by a recluse manufacturing magnet for a bear Sid. The newly revealed tax documents cover last year, just as Leo was in the process of receiving that enormous donation. I'm almost, uh, I'm almost speechless, wise, but not quite. Yeah, I mean, the Supreme Court as an instrument to beat us down here um, in the working class uh, is quite alive and well. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to my brother Pascal Robert over at This Is Revolution podcast because he points out um, the fact that this has kind of always been the role of the Supreme Court. <laughs> there was like a, a 25 year interregnum, like a little break where we got Brown v. Board of Ed and we, we got the Voting Rights Act and all these kinds of things. But basically, since the Supreme Court uh, was founded, 
It's been an instrument of the ruling class to beat back gains made by normal working people. And this guy Leo is, you know, he's he's somebody who understands that tradition and that vision. And he's clearly working tirelessly on behalf of American big business. Um, that's 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 just the goal. They they don't care about anything else. They want to deregulate this thing um, to the bone, and they want to shovel as much of our nation's wealth up to the top as possible. And if they could do a thing like cancel abortion and ruin voting rights, they'll do that um, in the process. But the, don't get it twisted. Excuse me, don't get it twisted. The purpose of the Supreme Court is to bolster and lift up American business and um, corporations. True that, unfortunately, was true that. And just for one man to have that kind of power and then that that big gift that he that he received, it's just, hmm. I mean, ooh, evil can, ne- I mean, good can never sleep. Or, or, or good can never take a vacation because evil never sleeps. I mean, people using their time, talent, and treasure to really not help and advance progress in this nation is quite something. We got to keep pushing, though, anyway. We really do. Trump trading cards. Yes. I'm quite stunned, but I want you to watch this. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump. Hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump Digital Cards just like a baseball card or other collectibles. Better than Lincoln, better than Washington. Just ask him. Just ask him. He is the, the best president of all time. Was I? You were rolling. So I'm just gonna let you go ahead and jump it, in. It's 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 amazing. I mean, to, to call yourself better, hopefully people like you better than George Washington, the first president ever. By the way. Important thing about George Washington is he did his two terms and he was like, yo, I'm done. Like I'm abdicating. Like I'm actually starting the 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 tradition that I you don't just stay in power forever. Important president in that respect. Obviously problematic in many others. But Abe Abe Lincoln, honest Abe. <laughs> the emancipator, come on, man. Something's gotta remain sacred, Nina. You can't just call yourself better than honest Abe. That's ridiculous. <laughs> this man called himself the great. He 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 really called himself being better than the great emancipator that that quite that struck me and the thing about you know Donald Trump you can't be surprised by any level of grift and just you know the idea that he's going to siphon and take and take and take as much money as he possibly can from his fan base that's just what this guy is here to do that's what he's shown from the beginning um that uh, he all he wants to do is siphon funds from his followers, and you know the idea that he's getting on the NFT train, that should surprise absolutely nobody. Uh, just you know, we've seen the stuff with FTX re- recently, uh, all of this blockchain grift. Uh, so many of these, so many of these Web three grifts are crazy. Uh, yeah, my official Donald Trump 
digital trading card collection is here. These limited edition cards feature amazing art <laughs> of my life and career. Collect all of your favorite Trump digital trading cards, very much like a baseball card, but hopefully much more exciting. Go to collecttrumpcards.com um, and get your cards now. Only $100 each. Oh my God. Would make a great Christmas gift. Don't wait. They will be gone, I believe, very quickly. So he's not even sure how long these things will last. Um, a lot of the times with these NFT um, and sort of uh, Web3 grifts, the idea is this artificial scarcity. So, you know, that's part of the appeal of these things. There's not a lot of them being made. But I have a sneaky suspicion that Donald Trump's NFT is not a limited one. I, I I have a sneaky suspicion that he's going to sell his supporters as many as they want or are able to get their hands on. And so, yeah, this is quite um, freaking hilarious. Oh my goodness! And uh, yeah, we lost T we we lost um, Nina for a bit, but yeah, you guys are hanging out with me. <laughs> What's the big deal? Isn't that right, Maris? But yeah, this is this is fantastic. Um, I actually had, uh, you know, this designer guy, uh, Sean Witherspoon, on my show at the Ringer. Uh, he's doing this NFT project, but it's a lot less uh, shady. Is this? It's just like, yeah, we're gonna sell people vintage clothes on Web3. If you want your Web3 people to have a vintage aesthetic, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be designing vintage stuff on there. I think people like vintage. In real life, they might like their Web3 avatar people to have vintage. And I was like, oh. Okay, that's like regular. There's gonna be a few people who want to look cool, and they're gonna provide that good for those people who get obsessed with Web3 enough to, um, you know, want to get their hands on some some vintage gear, whether it be tees or you know distressed denim or whatever the case may be. With Donald Trump, like, and of course he's making himself into a superhero, right? Because to his fans, he's he's not just he's not just a great <laughs> businessman. Um, <laughs> he is a superhero. Uh, I guess we're gonna. I guess we're getting getting up out of here, y'all. Uh, this was this was real. This was fun. Um, I got to sit in Nina C for two seconds, but um, we're tossing this thing on out. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.